will be reading from the complete Jewish Bible, Psalm 27, verses 1 through 14. Adonai is my light and my salvation. Whom do I need to fear? Adonai is the stronghold of my life. Of whom should I be afraid? When the evildoers assail me to devour my flesh, my adversaries and foes, they stumbled and fell. If an army encamps against me, my heart will not fear. If war breaks out against me, even then I will keep trusting. Just one thing have I asked of Adonai, only this will I seek to live in the house of Adonai all the days of my life and to see the beauty of Adonai and to visit in his temple. For he will conceal me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will hide me in the folds of his tent. He will set me high on a rock. Then my head will be lifted up above my surrounding foes and I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing, sing praises to Adonai. Listen, Adonai, to my voice when I cry. Show favor to me and answer me. My heart said of you, seek my face. Your face, Adonai, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Don't turn from your servant away in anger. You are my help. Don't abandon me. Don't leave me, God, my Savior. Even though my father and mother have left me, Adonai will care for me. Teach me your way, Adonai. Lead me on a level path. Because of my enemies, don't give me up to the whims of my foes. For false witnesses have risen against me, also those who are breathing violence. If I hadn't believed that I would see Adonai's goodness in the land of the living, put your hope in Adonai, be strong, and let your heart take courage. Yes, put your hope in Adonai. Shabbat Shalom. It's a privilege to come and bring God's word to you this morning. Um, it's it's interestingly enough, it started very hard week. Um, Deborah got sick and was really sick for a couple days, but she's doing better now. But I sense the Lord's um, favor, and I thank a lot of people who did uh, pray for me as I began to prepare His word and. I really felt the Lord's touch in the midst of everything happening. Let's pray this morning before we get into his word. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that you're able to speak to us, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you have the ability to know our language and how we need to hear your word. I pray, Lord, that you would establish your vision of what you're building is to be, Lord, in us and through us, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you have an idea of what that looks like for everybody. 
And I pray as I talk about this this morning, you would use me to to truly bring that vision more clearly to people, Lord. And I just give you all the honor and glory in Yeshua's mighty name. Amen. You smell that? You don't? Well, I've, I've entitled this uh, message, The Smell of Worship, because worship has a smell to it. And um, I've, I've been blind all my life, um, legally blind, not illegally blind per se, but legally blind is when you have less than one-tenth. So gr- growing up blind, everyone has always treated me like, your senses must be really stronger than everybody else's, right? Or the other, thi- or the other opposite usually happens, not only am I blind, can you hear me? Do you know where you need to go? And so I get usually the, uh, my fill of both, both of those things. But being blind has definitely given me different opportunities. Um, I, you know, one of those opportunities is I get to ride the bus. I get to know bus drivers. I get to know all kinds of friendly folks on the bus, both good, bad, and ugly. Um, I also get to wait on the bus stop, which... There are lots of bus stops in, in terrible order, in terrible disrepair. There's bus shelters and all the, that kind of stuff. And I also get to ride in the wonderful world of taxis, which they can really be fun, especially when your driver doesn't speak a word of English. And so I get all these wonderful blessings, you know. And I, I learned that to see it as an opportunity that God wants to pr- me to pray for people in these situations that there's, there's no, um, there's nothing that God can't use. And one of the things that I've also encountered over and over again is a horrible smell. It's the smell of marijuana. It's just all over our state. You, you step into the shelter and you, and you feel like you're, you've stepped into a smoking room at the bus stop. Uh, folks have no respect. They, they just light up wherever and everywhere. And, it gets frustrating at times that you can't go anywhere without smelling that. It's, it's definitely tough. And part of the point is God wants us to learn from this, that this is the smell of brokenness. People have a brokenness, and that's why they're engaged in this. And some people really have a strong physical brokenness, and they, and they smoke the pot, they eat the pot because... They're dealing with severe pain. And I can really uh, identify with that on several levels when you have that kind of severe pain in your life. Other people deal with it because they, ha- they want the dullness to come back into their life. They want to escape their troubles. They want to escape things. And it's really, really sad. So I know that whenever I make hear, see that smell, it, it's, it's God saying, here's someone who's broken, that really needs some deep prayer. They really need some deep prayer. And throughout, throughout my life and throughout your lives, smell is the most powerful sense out of all our five senses. It brings vivid memories. I can still remember um, growing up in a foster home for four years. I could remember how the chili, the caldito, um, the bread and the tortillas that were freshly made, or the smell of somebody's perfume, it's a strong smell, and it brings back vivid, vivid memories to us in such a way that it's something we just can't miss. 
And in the Tanakh, 44 times, the Lord receives worship by the smell of it. Did you know that? They call it lerech nichoach, as was mentioned earlier. The smell of how things are. That's what's pleasing to our God. The way things smell. He even makes judgments based on smell. And it's something that we can do too. Our our judgment should be what we smell. Haim asked me to bring a message about worship as we get ready to kick off praise night and prayer week. And worship is such an important thing because worship can be a memory album to us. It, it can be something like, you know, I've got notes here that are, you know, you turn the page. And it's similar to a memory album the Lord wants to do in us. He wants to show us good stuff during worship so that we have great and awesome memories. And here at Yeshua Tzion, one thing you'll hear if you don't hear it over and over again, worship is job number one. Worship goes with serving. Okay, You can't worship the Lord without serving the Lord. You can't serve the Lord without worshiping him. They just go hand in hand, both sides of the same coin, in a sense. And, and that word in Hebrew is avodah, that idea that we worship the Lord. And it's something the Lord wants us to get second nature into us, that as we worship him, it becomes something so full that we can just see it. We can know it. And in our congregation, we have all kinds of expressions of worship. We have dance, and we have the waving of flags, and sometimes we get clapping hands, and all kinds of different expressions. And I want to challenge that sometimes, because I think in the midst of those things, sometimes we look at that and we say, that's worship. That's the worship. And I want to challenge us to remember that our worship has to have substance. It has to have intent, as Linda was saying today. It's important that we know this, that we can take it to the bank and understand that God is worshipped a certain way and what that way is. Basically, it's two things, two things. Worship is learning to acknowledge who our God is. Do you know how to acknowledge him? He's our healer. He's our redeemer. He's our deliverer. All these different things. And the second part of that is knowing what he's doing in our midst. God is doing awesome things for us. He's saving us. He's helping us. He's protecting us. He's providing for us. And that's that's the essence of what our worship should always be about. Yes, it's wonderful when we see the different expressions. Because worship can take all kinds of expressions. But we want to always have the substance behind the worship, knowing that we understand why we sing to our Lord, why we love him so much. And so it's important to us to see that vision and to get that picture. And in our text today, David is really having more than a bad hair day. It's really bad for him um, throughout this psalm. We see him struggling a lot before the Lord. And I like the way the fact the Lord kind of gives us this picture of how David is really having a tough time. All these different circumstances in his life. And this psalm, it's really, um, it's, I know, you know, to, to, I, I kind of gave you a little picture of it before the Torah service. This idea of we want vindication. It's, 
It's sandwiched between Psalm 26, where we're saying, God, examine me, vindicate me. I want to be clean. I want to worship you with holy hands before your altar. And then on the other side, in Psalm 28, we have that picture of, you've heard my cry, how blessed you are. You've been my shield in times of trouble. And right between them is Psalm 27, this this wonderful psalm that is so prevalent to the high holy days. It's, it's so important that Jews pray it every morning, every morning, whenever they come to their worship service. And part of the reason they pray it is they understand that this is part of the picture. Uh, when it says, the Lord is my light, it's pointing us to the light of Rosh Hashanah. When it says, the Lord is my salvation, it's pointing us to the, the atonement, the Yom Kippur. And the Lord is our sukkah. Now, the, some translations have it, the pavilion. But it's actually the word sukkah, tent or booth or hut, that the Lord wants us to see. And the Ashkenazi pray it in the evening as well, but the Sephardic like to pray it in the afternoon. So, I mean, it's get it, they get it in there twice. And it's something that they get all high holy day long, starting in Elul and going all the way up to uh, Simcha Torah every morning, praying this psalm. So if this is their focus and how much this is on their screen, I say, how much more should it be on our screen? Isn't this good stuff, this psalm? It should be on our screen as well, and we should be learning to dive into it and see where David was at. Throughout, the, throughout Yeshua Tzion, our congregation has been called to be a place of sanctuary, a place of refuge. We've always understood that it seemed like God would bring to our congregation people who needed some real deep healing. And I, I want to let people know um, on YouTube, if they're watching this on YouTube, my eyes are only red because I've been having an, a reaction to medicine. And yes, I am blind. I don't see much at all. So I hope I'm not scary to anyone or anything like that. But my eyes have been a little bit red lately. But the, the, the bottom line here is David starts out by saying, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Of whom shall I be afraid? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. What shall rattle me? And I like the, the fact here in this first verse, there's that word stronghold. It's a picture of what the Lord's to be. A stronghold is a place where you can kind of uh, get healed, sometimes get your wounds fixed, depending on what you've been going through. And the Lord wants our congregation to be that type of place where people can, can find refuge, can find that hiding place. You know, later on, David talks about a hiding place. The Lord wants to do things in the midst of us, and he wants to establish us as people to be a place for others to come so that they can be touched by the Lord. And the Lord is very, um, you know, David's really um, adamant here about the, the idea of fear. He mentions it three times in this passage, and he's, the, the two words, yare and pachad, are very, very different. Yare is sometimes your just normal word for fear, but it also has the idea of being reverent and having an awe. But the idea of pachad 
is something that terrifies you so bad, you're shaking. It rattles you. And that's why I like when he says, the Lord is the stronghold. He keeps me from being shaken. He gets me to not be shaken anymore. And that's what the Lord wants his place to be when we come to him, that we can find those same type of things in us as we walk with the Lord. And, you know, it's always been about the people. I mean, it'll be great when we do have our building, but the Lord has always been interested in how the people serve him. And David gets more into this uh, passage of, of talking about how rough things are going for him. You know, I think he's trying to actually pray and calm himself because he sees the trouble coming. And he's trying to, you know, bring back a memory, I believe, of when the Lord helped him before. And he's trying to use these memories to calm himself in the midst of all these fears. And he first starts by ten times we, we see the word evil or enemies, the things that come at him that he's trying to deal with and how the enemy is really encroaching his space kind of thing. The Hebrew is very vivid here of how the enemy is really near and he wants to devour my flesh. And for someone like me, it's kind of odd because I think who would come after someone to devour their flesh? You know, we don't see zombies around that are kind of out there and kind of weird type of thing. But David's really seeing this. And and it's even more vivid because he sees them stumbling and falling before the Lord. And, And it's it's very vivid how he sees them because he wants to understand. And as we read through the psalm, it gets worse and worse. It started with enemies, and now there's an encampment, an army, and war is going to break out. And so it's, throughout this psalm, it gets revved up more and more, the trouble that David is seeing in his life. And it just it gets revved up. And we're, this psalm is kind of in like five parts. And if you jump down to verses 7 and 8, David really begins to get intense with his prayers more and more before the Lord. He's getting, he's saying, hear me, Lord. Hear me. I'm going through this rough stuff. I want you to know me in the midst of this stuff. I want you to help me out. And I like how he talks about how he wants to be led of the Lord here and how his heart begins to teach him that I need to seek the Lord. I need to seek him and he'll do some good stuff in me. And I think about how God always brings things to mind if we have that memory album, in a sense, of how God showed up for us, those mile markers. And God, God likes to tell David, you know, pray, pray. And he says it very accurately. He says, my heart says, seek him. And I I put my face to seeking him. It's just that simple. And I think about how God puts people on your heart. You might be at the store. You might be off in in China somewhere. But all of a sudden, you start thinking of somebody. Somebody maybe even in this room that needs your help. And immediately, second nature to me, I know that I need to be praying for them. I just know it automatically. And it's really odd because there have been people that the Lord has brought to my mind that I haven't thought about for years and years. 
but I'm, I, I'm obedient and saying, Lord, you had to have put this person on my heart and in my mind. And so I want to I want to stop and just lift them up. And that's why it's so important to pray for our folks who are on the front line today out in the uh, as a small commercial here. Pray for those guys who are doing the work of outreach. Sometimes they are up against some real spiritual warfare that they want to uh, that they're dealing with and trying to share the word and and trying to share God's truth to people. In verse nine, David, he he you think he begins to seem a little more hopeless because his prayer gets more and more intense. You know, Lord, are you hiding from me? You know, are you angry with your servant? Are you going to is there going to be some abandonment coming? Is is the Lord going to leave me all alone? David really is is going through this tough thing and he's trying. He goes back and forth kind of saying, I know the Lord's doing things, but at the same time, he he's getting very desperate. We don't know exactly everything that's going on. And in verse 10, he says something very, uh, very tough. I know that a lot of folks here have maybe experienced in the sense of if my father and mother forsake me. And I it doesn't take much to be in our movement or to come across people that are estranged from their family. It's something a lot of us, as I always sometimes say, and sometimes I say it jokingly, but it's really sometimes true. Families, you have the in-laws and you have the outlaws. And a lot of times the outlaws don't want anything to do with you or they or when you are there, they're just interested in making you feel bad. And, uh, you know, it's like I wanted to come and have a nice time with my family. And uh, this is not what's happening. And David understands that that in the midst of his family, in the midst of family struggles, that God isn't going to bail on him. And David, interesting enough, he had several times in his life where he was separated from family. The, the first one I thought of, because it says my, my father and my mother have forsaken me, is the time in Samuel where he actually um, made his parents go away and go back to Moab so that they would be safe from, from King Saul. And, and then we see later on that it was because of David's sin that he had separation from his family. And, and you know, the rabbis have a lot of interesting thoughts on this. And he wants to, in a sense, understand the Lord. You're going to help me out. But the fact is, I don't think the Lord is is ever going to hurt us when we're in a tough spot. And he knows that sometimes it's because something we did. And sometimes he knows it's just because of circumstances. And that's and that's kind of where that smell comes in. What are you angry with me? And the word here for anger is is that idea of the nose. The nose. Were you angry with me, Lord? And I like how he the Lord doesn't bail on anyone. And that's what kind of our sanctuary is to be, too, is to be a place where those who haven't had good family experiences can have that love, can see how a family can be a blessing to them. That's the that's the sanctuary the Lord wants us to be. He wants us to reach out to those that are lonely and every one of us at times goes through a dryness, a dry spell, where we're thinking, gosh, I feel so alone. 
And I like how David begins to, uh, in, in verses 11 and 12, he begins to say, Lord, show me your ways. Show me your ways. Help me keep straight on your path. And I like the word, and, and it says, deliver me. But it's better idea of vindicate me, Lord. Vindicate me because I know on some levels I have to be on target, even though there are people that don't see me on target. And part of what the Lord wants to show us is, is are you, when he shows us his ways, I think he wants to know, are we teachable? Are we willing to hear what the Lord has to tell us? Because sometimes there are some really hard lessons the Lord wants to share with us. One of the hardest, I think, that, that easily comes to mind where I know folks really struggle is forgiveness. Forgiveness is a big one because people hurt us and we, we have a hard time letting go in that. And it's something God really wants us to let go and give it to him. And he's, he's got a very zero-tolerance approach to forgiveness. And that kind of has to be our approaches, too. We have to see if there's unforgiveness in our heart or unforgiveness around others, we have to understand that this is not pleasing to God. And I think this is something he wants to always show. And so I'm going to go back into verses 4 and 6 because this is kind of the, the good stuff of the psalm where David's kind of crying out, trying to worship the Lord. And I think he is having those those wonderful moments of God being good to him, the mile markers. And I like the way three times in in this first verse, verse four, he says, um, ask, he says, seek, and he says, breakthrough. All these different words in Hebrew, sha'al, bakash, bakar. All this having idea of, I'm going to keep looking, Lord. I'm going to find where you are, and I want to see the breakthrough. I'm going to push in. And that's what our week of prayer is to be all about, seeking the Lord and asking him, we want your breakthrough, Lord. We want things to change. We don't want to accept the way things look. Because right now, for David, things look pretty tough. And he says, the one thing I really love is being in your presence, being in the Lord's presence. And I hope people come tomorrow to partake of being in the Lord's presence and worshiping him. It's a wonderful time. Then David begins to say, so that I may see the beauty of the Lord. And I like the word for see here because it doesn't have to do with your eyes. It has to do with being something you perceive. Something you understand, as Rabbi Haim likes to call it, the aha moment. I get it now, Lord. And David makes reference in, in the same idea, using the same word in Psalm 63, 3, where he says, I have seen you in the sanctuary. I have beheld your power and your glory. And it's something that goes beyond our eyes. It's something that God's giving us that we have in our understanding. God wants to go deep, deep in every situation with us. And one of the areas that he wants us to know is he wants to know that he's going to protect us. He's going to keep us safe. And he's going to establish us. 
This is, this is very beautiful in the psalm where he says, Lord, I know you will gather me and take me into your hiding place. You'll kind of restore me. You'll do your work in me and I can be whole again. That's why it's so important what takes place here in these walls. It's not about the walls themselves, but it's about what God does in the people in the walls. And I love how Peter puts this too. He has the same idea of even though we go through suffering, he wants to do some good things in us. First Peter chapter five, verse 10. You will have suffered only a little while. After that, God, who is full of grace, the one who called you to his eternal glory in union with the Messiah, will himself restore, establish, and strengthen you and make you to be firm. God wants that for us too. He wants, and and a lot of times, you know, we read that verse and I know for, for me, when I'm going through some tough times, I say, Lord, how long is a little while? That's that's the part I like to want to know, because I I like that you're going to do some growing in me and you're going to restore me. You're going to bring me into that place where I'm established. And I, I know that in the midst of a lot of folks here, they're going through some tough stuff. And it seems like um, some of the folks who are going through tough stuff, not only are they getting their shares worth, they're getting my shares worth and some of the other folks shares worth as well. And it's it's difficult to watch. It's difficult to see them go through. And in verse 6, I like how David responds to the Lord. He says, I'm going to bring the sacrifices of joy. And I'm going to give you thanks, Lord. And this is, this is not just thank you, Lord. This is, yay, God! I mean, this is big stuff. This is shouts of joy to the Lord. This is the yay God stuff that needs to happen. That David is understanding God will show up and God is going to show up. And I know that I'll get to be there again and give you praise and thanks. And verses 13 and 14, they kind of ducktail the same thought of how David seen the Lord work in his life. I like verse 13. This is something the rabbis are really struggling with at times because they um, they don't know if this is the olam haba or the olam hazeh. You know, is God going to do his good stuff in the land of the, the world to come or in the world now? And yes, both. He's going to do it in both, but I think sometimes we forget God wants to bless us right now. Do we believe he does? Do we see his blessings coming to us now? Do we believe that he wants to bless us right now? Because David wants to trust God for that. He says, I trust you. I trust you. I know you're going to establish me, Lord, that you're going to take me through this tough time, and I will see your goodness in the land of the living. I believe that's both the Olam Haba and the Olam Hazeh. And I think the Lord wants to show up for us in that way, that we will know his goodness, his generosity to us. 
God's a good God. And I'm glad that whenever we see praise reports from our mishpacha, I'm always touched when people have such a generous heart to do something for someone else. And I know there's some that give of their heart, give of their shekelim. I know there's others that give of their time, those that give of their um, efforts, whether it's taking food to people. All these different things are real blessings. And it's something we should be saying, yay, God, because you do it. You do it, and you guys need to hear that. Part of serving the Lord that we don't always get to hear is, yay, you, because you're doing, you're being faithful to God. And I know sometimes people come and they serve the Lord and they think, did anybody notice me? Did anybody take note of what I did or something? And I know you can sometimes get into a pity party about that, but the fact is God always sees what's happening. And he loves us and he sees the good work that we're doing. And it is an opportunity to say, yay, God, yay for what you do in our mishpacha. Your generosity is really showing up. The psalm concludes with the command twice. Wait. And this is not just wait and sit on your hands. Wait with expectation. Because God's going to do some good things. And in the meantime, let your heart be strong and courageous. The Hebrew word here for wait is chava. It has the sense of God showing up and that we're expecting him to show up. He's going to show up in a great way. It's the expectation of wait. That there's going to be hope. There's going to be breakthrough. And so we always say chazak, chazak. And that's kind of the word for strength here. And amatz, be courageous. This has to happen inside first. And God knows that there's scary stuff out there. I mean, there's people with swords, there's people with knives. There's all kinds of scary stuff out there. And I'm, I know I'm weak when it comes to some of that stuff. And I know everybody should know their own weaknesses. But God tells us in the midst of being scared and weak, be strong and courageous. He doesn't say, stop being these things, but he knows that we're, we're weak. He knows that we're scared, and he wants us to be strong and courageous in spite of those things. And so it's important that we have shalom first. Shalom means so much more than just that idea of that uh, peace, an absence of war. It means the idea of wholeness. It means the idea of taking root in us so that we can be well and we can be fit and we can be prosperous. Not with necessarily Shekelim, but with the idea of with God. And I love how Colossians 3.15 puts it. Let the shalom which comes from the Messiah be your heart's decision maker. For this is why you were called to be part of a single body. And be thankful. You know, I thank God for this body. And I hope you guys too, too. It's a special group of people that God joins together. That's why it's so important. And I hope each of you understands we need to pray where there are parts of the body that are broken. 
whether physically, emotionally, spiritually. We need to pray for folks that have tough times with reconciliation. We need to pray that the Lord will unite us. We need to be united for the Lord's work. He's calling to, for us to do some awesome things. So I want to conclude by saying I know some of us are going through some tough stuff, whether it's health, whether it's um, parents or children. In fact, uh, part of the reason the Lord laid on my heart, we need to be praying for the next generation. The, the, the focus of our prayer week is the generation of faith. We want to see our generation established, and we want the ones that have walked away to come back. And we need to keep praying for them, that God will draw them back to him. And, you know, the Lord, the Lord is going to do some good stuff as we seek him. We want to recognize the work God's already doing in us. It's been some good stuff. And if you've been struggling or you need help, this week is an awesome opportunity. As Rabbi Haim likes to say, bulldog the Lord. Seek him for breakthrough. Don't be satisfied. You know, we, we talk about when we pray, praying and staying on one thing until we feel like the Lord's let us go. Kind of like the way uh, Jacob wrestled the angel. I'm not going to let you go, Lord, till I know you've heard me and you know my heart. And the other thing is be here tomorrow for praise night. It really sets a tone for what this week is all about. It's, it's something that God does in us. And I can't wait to see how many people show up. It's such an awesome time in the Lord. It's a good time. And that's why, I, you know, I, I look at my role as person in charge of Torah. I like when I do the first part of Torah of trying to come up and set the tone for what God wants to do. And I hope that praise night tomorrow will be something that sets the tone for you guys during this week that you seek him. So, Father, we just thank you for this word. We thank you for the struggles David had, that he was very open about them before you. Help us to be open of the same struggles, Lord. And we ask you, Lord, that you would continue to make us the building of living stones that people can find rest in, that people can know your refuge and your strength. Thank you, Lord, for this word. I pray that as people have been hearing your word throughout the message, and throughout this day that they would uh, know how to respond to you, Lord. And we just give you all glory and honor in Yeshua's mighty name. May it smell good. Amen.